It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. My Lord, what is happening before us on Wednesdays? Damon is here. It's Cofield, Cofield and Company. We just got Freddie. I almost called him Freddie Fitzsimmons. I'm so used to hearing uh, Freddie and Fitz, but Freddie Coleman in the slot leading into our show. The arena was on. That is our debate show led by wacky FM DJ Greg Salerno, who, as I keep pointing out, is not playing to his wheelhouse and doing goofy sports stories. He continues to try to line people up, Damon and do hardcore sports debates. Today, after losing again last week to one of the sports dudes, I think he finally realized, enough of the sports guys, I can't beat them. So let me bring in a comedian, big Irish dude, and he lost to him. Yeah, I wasn't listening because I was getting ready for the uh, best drive time show in the entire West Coast. Oh, wow. So, um, oh, yeah. All what right. did what was uh how did he lose? What was the score? I didn't hear a score. I think they came up short on time, but I completely trust Doug, the judge, because Doug is paying attention the whole time. And Doug pointed out at the end that Greg kept bringing up sports topics and was trying to throw out sports names and couldn't remember any of the names, which happens to all of us. But it's his show. I don't. It's just so weird. And then the weird, the really bizarre <laughs> thing is at the beginning of the show, he's like, "Hey, we got a comedian in." Uh, no more of these sports guys who are all bitter and angry. Like, uh, first of all, you're welcome. <laughs> For the first 10 weeks of your show, when we all volunteered to do it, including Danny, who, by the way, is developing as an on-air guy. He'll be hosting the Westgate show every Sunday morning, our legendary Sunday football preview show. But Danny is a producer. You are a producer. Trying to think of the other producers who went on. Uh, Chris Chapman went on. He is a producer. Do you remember what Greg Salerno, wacky FM DJ guy, said about you producers? Um, all we do is adjust headphones, or all we do is turn on the mics yep. and the volume on the headphones. Yep. And he is now four, six, and one. And I think combined, because you got Rob, so we'll, but we'll still count the the score. I think combined, he is just two and two against the guys who turn on the headphones. Or the mics and adjust the headphones. Or maybe he might be one and three. Him and Danny are one and one. Did Chapman win? I think Chapman won, and then you got robbed. But we'll count it. It's still under protest. I still have not heard back from the league. They're trying to keep the station on the air. Uh, but eventually they will review things, and I think that could be overturned. Now that's left is Ari. Jared runs the board for the show, so that, you know, he's going to be a neutral party. So uh, we need Ari to come in and, you know. Oh, does he know sports? He does. Ah. He's like he's an encyclopedia. <laughs> Wouldn't that be dynamite uh, if he who doesn't have much experience here? And I, I doubt Greg really knows him. And we we suggest him, and then he freaking rolls him. Immaculate grid isn't hard enough for Finhaus when it comes to NFL and NBA. Stop. He played. He showed me. A, he's got like a whole website. And really? He's like, oh, it's like this game and the game that he's playing. I just like my three across. I just like my tic tac toe version. Whatever he's playing, keep it away from me. Wow. It's a good show, uh, mostly because he's getting whipped. And he really does get angry at the end. 
So there you go, a little cross-promotion. Every Wednesday, 2 to 3. We don't get Freddy. We lose an hour of Freddy. But uh, Big Greg. Big Greg, who's going to beat us all at basketball as well. And a WNBA player if they, you know, take the challenge. Yes, which is not going to happen. There's too much of an injury risk of – with any – not with you because you're still athletic, but with any of us. We are freaking lumbering is a good word for most of the sports staff. We lumber around the building. A lot of lumberers on Cofield and Company. You wouldn't want to, you know, take out Asia Wilson for a year because you fell right into her knee walking. So please don't take up that challenge. Maybe. <laughs> Someday. Greg Salerno. Someday. Well, congrats to this show's favorite, eh, we'll say one of this show's favorites, from the Rebels, the Runner Rebels, over the last 20 years. Yes, we're already 20-plus years into this century. I often call him the best big man of the century at UNLV. I didn't say all time this century, though. Uh, a guy who left early for the NBA, went undrafted, Looked like he was stopped before he even got started with a pro career, right? Head hanging, disappointed on draft night. And now Christian Wood has made tens of millions of dollars in the NBA. And I think this is the best moment of his career because while Dallas is a winning franchise, he did get a lot of time with franchises that were not very good, like uh, the Rockets and Detroit Chris Wood has now landed in his home region with the Lakers, which for him must be freaking dream come true, right? You'd have to imagine. Yeah. Let's see, was he was he a Clipper fan growing up? Was he a Laker hater? Uh, but he's landed with the Lakers, and I think he's a nice piece. They have to get him motivated to play defense, but if he plays defense and brings the weapons that he does as a stretch four at 6'11", can also be a, a good shot blocker, a weak side help guy to block shots, make some threes and follows the professional lead of guys like LeBron, this could be the best part of his career. I don't know if he's going to win a championship, but whatever holes need to be closed in his game, he's going to move in the right direction with LeBron. I think this is so cool. Christian Wood, a Laker. Real quick, I do want to do some revisionist history. Dave Rice, what were you doing? C. Wood, Rashad Vaughn, Patrick McCall, three pros on the roster. Well, we could go back and eighteen and fifteen. We could go back and recap that year, and there were some rosters where uh, CDR uh, didn't put up the record we thought he could. But there were also a lot of years uh, he had the worst luck. That those crews had the worst luck. It was a war of attrition, and down the stretch, oftentimes there was no one left at the end of the year. Because you remember Rashad Vaughn? Yeah, only played twenty three games. Just like Big Zim, they got hurt, and then you know you have to make a decision. Do you you know are you going to protect yourself for the NBA? Or are you going to play? And put yourself at risk for another 10 games. So, he had bad luck. But, no, those were – he had a couple of years there where the teams were freaking loaded and guys have gone on to play in the NBA or professionally. He had a lot of good players. It just never came together. Now, that said, I, I can't do this because this could be I, – <laughs> Demond, I can't do it. You can't – I can't. I can't. This is – this goes on – I see this explode like every three months on Twitter. CDR revisits and a whole debate about it. So, by the way, we never mentioned uh, Dave Rice does have a, a new job. So he is an assistant at Cal Baptist. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, update today on Chandler Jones. Not much of an update. It's being called uh, an in-house matter. Uh, Let's listen to Josh McDaniels as he spoke to the media today. And uh, here he talks about any resolution with the Chandler Jones situation. By the way, just to explain the Chandler Jones situation yesterday, a series of IG posts. 
Couldn't get into the facility. Was all mad about it. Put up some weird video. Also put out a statement on an IG post saying he doesn't want to play for uh, Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not going to talk about the, you know, that's kind of a personal situation. And um, as a, you know, we've never really gone into, you know, those kind of things. So I'm going to steer away from that. Um, You know, it's a private matter. And, um, you know, you know, if there's something to report on it, then, you know, we'll we'll do that. But uh, as of right now, no. There's nothing to there's nothing to talk about. No, I I don't. You know, right now we're going day to day. uh, So, um, you know, he he he's not going to be here today. So we'll we'll kind of take it one day at a time. All right, day to day. I have I don't know what that means. You know, it's Patriots West. They're going to keep it close to the vest. But but it does kind of confirm that one. The question we had yesterday, Demond, about him being hacked. He was not hacked. That was Chandler Jones expressing anger. And now it's a day-to-day situation, which this is significant as we enter the season here for the Raiders. One of their key defensive players who played a little better in the second half, did not have a great year last year. Uh, now he seems like he's really unhappy. So something to monitor. I don't think we're going to hear much from the Raiders the rest of the week. So we're going to have to kind of base it on what we've heard here and try to follow the story through the weekend. Uh, he was also asked about Chandler Jones and how the situation could affect the team and the locker room. You know, I mean, look, the the team's getting ready to play a game. You know, we we gotta we we'll deal with different things during throughout the course of the year, whether it's injuries or or other adversities. So, um, you know, I think the guys are focused on you know trying to control the things that they can control and uh, get ready to play. You know, uh, you know, the best game we can play on Sunday. He's good, isn't he? He's good. Saying nothing. He's not going to slip. He's not going to slip. He's not going to give a morsel of information on what Chandler Jones was talking about. But the only thing that Vinny did ask a follow-up, and good on Vinny for at least trying to get the follow-up, but how is this a private matter when he did it on a public forum? He did it on a public forum, but I guess you could say he did it on NFL private property. Um, there, There could be other forces involved here. There could be legal. I don't think there's law enforcement, but I don't know. Really, with with a Patriots mentality, and that's what Ziegler and McDaniel's have. They don't really need any of those things to say we're not talking about it. So at least we can hear Josh McDaniel say it. It's not mumbled, and it's not shut down immediately. I guess it's not much different. I basically everyone out there is like, "You're stupid." Just because he's saying a lot of words doesn't mean that it's not Belichickian. You're right. You're right. Josh Josh has won me over. Just being somewhat polite and saying something is. A move forward with uh, Patriots West. Uh, how about McDaniel's on uh, dealing with challenging situations like this? Look, there's there's a lot of things that go on every week. You know, every every week in a football organization, you just you know try to do the best you can to get your team ready to play. And um, we all have different roles to play, and there's decisions that that are made. And um, you know, you try to do the best thing for the team. That's it. I mean, I don't know anything else that would be better than that. Try to make uh, the right decisions in every way, shape, or form you can to help your team be successful. So um, that's what we've tried to do since we've been here, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Devon, I see you mimicking, just moving your hands around, kind of. Well, you know, uh, we just got to make the best decision. And, you know, we've all had to make decisions, and everybody's got to play their role. And, you know, uh, that's what we've been trying to do since day one. Do we play the last bite? Uh, this one, did Chandler Jones and those posts yesterday and now an ongoing situation that he is calling day-to-day warrant a conversation with the team? Yeah, I'm not going to get into this. You know what I mean? So it's a personal situation. It's a private matter. You know, want to talk about the game on Sunday. I'll be excited to talk about the game. 
affects the game though, Chuck. Your, your captains and your leaders. Yeah. In- He's not a captain. Um, so, it, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, like I said, we're we're dealing with it internally. Uh, we've dealt with it, um, but we're not gonna not gonna get into this. See, media, this is why they weren't gonna allow you in all week because you're just a pain in the keister. Paul Gutierrez asking the hard <laughs> questions, but I did see, and that's why Chandler. I'll say what people don't want to say. That's why Chandler doesn't want to play for him now. Paul Gutierrez says one of your captains. He 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 he's hypes up to say not a captain. He answered that one quickly. Yeah, not a captain. Well. It That's why Chandler doesn't want to play for him. Look at how easy he was to, to dismiss him. He didn't want to say one of our leaders, not a captain. He could have said, yeah, maybe not a captain, but one of the hardest working veterans on the team. Nope, didn't try to shower him with any praise. I'm on your side, Chandler. I mean, I would like to be on someone's side, but I don't know what happened. So I can't take this leap of faith and say, you know, typical Josh McDaniels, this is why guys don't want to play for him. I don't know what happened. I don't know how bad it is. I don't know the background that led up to this either. There's, there's more to the story than him – you know, just flipping out on IG and complaining about not being able to get into the building on was it an off day? I don't know. I've been wrong before. I, I'm I actually I'm enjoying your not measured approach. Believe yeah. me. I want I want to take a side, and too many side people want to side with management in a situation like this. I'm on Chandler Jones's side the entire way. Where some people are like, hey, remember that incident? What was it, 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. where with the uh, synthetic marijuana? Where it's like, hey, this guy could be on edge a little bit, and we don't know if this is a mental health problem. I feel like that's what people are alluding to a little bit. Wow. Where we don't know what could be going on in Chandler Jones's life that led him to make these IG posts. And with all that, that being said, yeah, I still don't care. I'm on his side. Because if something is wrong, well, how about we figure out what's wrong? Yes. The other thing, and you know, this is why I pitch for players all the time, we all have jobs. Right? Yep. Our bosses are awesome. Uh, they never cross, you know, or make us cross, right? Um, but everyone works jobs. You know that at times you get frustrated with your bosses. And maybe that's a situation that's been going on repeatedly for Chandler Jones and in his eyes. So I don't know what happened. I don't, I don't know Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler's management style behind the scenes. You don't know until you know. And we may not find out. And the resolution may be Chandler Jones isn't with the Raiders in a couple of weeks. We'll find out. Let's do a giveaway right now. 364-1100-364-1100. Aces are taking on Phoenix. It's Fan Appreciation Day. It's on Sunday. Noon start. T-Mobile. That can't be right. Is that right? Are they at T-Mobile? I read that like Ron Burgundy. we got to look that up. Anyway, AXS.com is uh, where you can grab your tickets. Four tickets in the ESPN Fan Zone. Four tickets in the ESPN Fan Zone. Aces. And Mercury, the fan zone is brought to you by Finley, Volkswagen, Henderson, and West Star Credit Union. Caller number seven gets the Aces tickets. Caller number seven, 364-1100. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Damon is here in studio. Caleb Herring on the NFL and college football on UNLV in about 15 minutes. Trying to get you updated on what's going on with Chandler Jones. If you missed it yesterday, the defensive lineman for the Raiders had a meltdown on IG, Instagram. He deleted all of the posts, but basic gist, could not get into the facility to work out. Got mad, posted about it, put up a short video, posted that, uh, then posted a message saying he was not happy with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, coach and GM basically suggesting he doesn't want to play for him anymore uh, in the opening block of the show. 
had some audio there of McDaniels telling the media this morning that it is a day-to-day situation, and uh, in every which way possible, he also mentioned that it's internal, personal situation, and that's all he had to say about it. So, He no longer follows them on IG, by the way. Chandler Jones did follow Josh McDaniels, and now he is? No, the team. Oh, he doesn't follow the team. Yeah, don't be silly. Wow. Josh McDaniels doesn't have an Instagram. Uh, I mean, according to some of the suggestions, uh, the other suggestion that Chandler Jones made was something about some call by the organization to uh, his uh, the mother of a baby, baby mama, if you want to call it that. Um, so my guess is that the coach might have an IG. It might not be under Josh McDaniels, which, you know what, honestly, doesn't bother me that much. Coaches are checking on their players. Organizational people check social media. That's why it's a lesson for everyone with your employers. Be careful what you post on social media. Right? You're actually better off in our job, and this is not a lecture for you, Damon. you're actually better off saying things on air than you are putting them on social media if you want to complain about your employers. This disappears into the ether for the most part, the spoken word. When it is up on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or anywhere else, Facebook, it's there forever, kind of. I love reading into things too much. Look at you. You are going down the rabbit hole on IG. Right. Yes. He follows Marcus. I'm going teammates. Marcus Epps. Um, shoot. Darian Butler. Justin Houston. He only follows 40 people. Hunter Renfro, one of the teammates that does get a follow. All right. Not a lot of teammates. I mean, so. Uh-oh. Hunter Renfro. What does that say? Yeah. I don't think it says anything. You know who's not there? Max Crosby. Do you follow everyone at the station? At, uh, at all of uh, LB Sports Network? On Twitter? Yeah. Uh, you, you Adam. It. You have to I, think about it. I even follow Bobby on Twitter. So, yeah, I think so. Good teammate. No problems with anyone, unlike Chandler Jones. Yeah. Well, Josh Jacobs is back in the locker room. That's uh, going to be a good thing, especially on the field. And uh, Josh McDaniels talked about uh, Jacobs and his effect on the team. Incredible. Um, you know, the, the response has been great. Um, you know, voted him a captain. Uh, he's, um, you know, he's in condition, um, working hard to, you know, acclimate to some of the things that maybe have changed since he was here last. Um, but fits in great with his teammates, does a great job, does a great job of uh, practicing the right way, uh, brings a great mentality to everything that he does from the meetings to the walkthroughs. To the field, so um, he's—I've said this a thousand times. He's a—he's uh, a great player. He's a great person. He's a really, really good leader, um, you know. And and he cares deeply about the game of football and um, works extremely hard at being the best version of himself that he can be. So I'm—I'm um, I'm very excited that he's back. No one cares who the captains are until they care who the captains are. And as you pointed out. He was quick to mention in a bite we played earlier when pressed on the fact that, hey, you're mentioning leaders and captains and Josh McDaniels mentioning Chandler Jones. Oh, he's not a captain. But mention Josh Jacobs there. Fire this one for me because at that point you can see what's going on here. There's a little tit for tat uh, in this press conference. And then McDaniels is asked about the other captains. Yeah, on offense, uh, Jimmy, Colton, J.J., and Devontae. Uh, defensively, Max. Robert Spillane, uh, Marcus Epps, and in the kicking game, both of our kickers, A.J. Cole and Daniel Carlson. So it's a really good group. I mean, the team obviously selects those guys, but 
Uh, it's a high honor when your teammates select you to represent them in, in a number of ways. And um, although those guys are very deserving of the honor and um, I'm excited for them to lead our team, you know, on Sunday and beyond. Hmm. So the players didn't choose Chandler Jones to be a captain, but they chose a new guy like Spillane. And that, another new guy like Epps. Impact. That happens. That happens. Same thing's happening over at UNLV. Some of the holdovers are captains. Some of the new guys are captains as well. Can I tell you about another Raider? Well, a former Raider who's his team captain. Darren Waller. The Giants said, Is he already? Hey, you're a captain. He wasn't <laughs> right? a captain last year in McDaniel's first year with the team, but he was a captain with Gruden. How do you know all this? Are you, I didn't know you were like the captain insider. <laughs> you love this. It says Is a that, lot about what's going on in the locker room. That's all I'm saying. It does say a lot that there's been some drama. Like I said, no one cares who the captains are until we care who the captains are. And when the coach makes a point quickly of saying, Chandler Jones, not a captain, and then rolls out. How about the kickers? How many teams have both kickers or even one kicker as a captain? That's nice. They Those are guys awesome. are goaded. They're, they're, they are great players. Everybody loves them. All right. We're going to find out more. But we're going to need the rumor mill to probably find out for us more than media proper because I think they'll just run with something. So uh, is it Rondo? Rondo Carpenter. Rondo Carpenter may have something on this. Maybe. He's been a little quiet, you know. He was he was wrong about a couple of things, you know. He's been a little quiet. I wonder if the Denver media has gotten a hold of this one because we know they a lot of them do not like Josh McDaniels from the uh, Josh experience. And the most damaging thing for Josh is that so many of his former players are actually pretty big media voices on sports radio there. And when they come on with us, we've had a couple on in the past. They got no problem mentioning that their experience with Josh was not good. I mean, like, smash him. So they might be smiling ear to ear on this one. They might find out what's going on. You know, some of the old players who might be connected, they might find out what's going on with Chandler Jones before we do down here. Ooh. Right? They're driven. They're driven in that market. I mean, there's nothing like fan in the flames to have some stories on radio and in the newspaper saying, hey, you know what? Uh, Josh is doing it all over again. I don't know that he is, but. So we'll follow it. I don't know if it's going to affect game one. I know the line's three and a half. I know going in, this is a weird game for me. I don't have a good read on either side. We're going to get to <laughs> Sean Payton in the Big Four. I don't know what he's trying to do. Talking about kissing babies and whatever, managing things, and Russ has to stop doing stuff like that. That is kind of wild. So you got both coaches trying to lay down the law with some of their players, and we'll see how they react week one on Sunday with Denver laying three and a half. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. I can't believe I'm all fired up to watch Colorado football this weekend. I got to look at the start time. Obviously, UNLV is early our time at Michigan, so I'll be on the road in Ann Arbor. But the hype around this first win, which surprised a lot of people, surprised me. 45-42 win for Dion and the Buffaloes has got people going friggin' gaga to the point where I was uh, I saw one offshore sportsbook director who was saying that the Colorado game could be one of the most heavily bet games of the entire season. Colorado football. That's how quickly people have gotten interested in it, how much Dion brings in terms of hype. 
You know, one of the things we did not finish up on yesterday, Damon, when we were recapping the game, was the motivational angle. Not only was Dion uh, and his players, not only were they motivated by the fact that there were a lot of doubters out there. I, I hadn't heard the story before, but Dion told the story about, hey, on the other sideline, uh, there's a guy on that staff who dissed my kid when he had a chance to talk to him in the past, and we did not forget that. And there's a certain coordinator we just played against. He's an offensive coordinator. He was at that school, and we went to this school of camp, and he didn't pay him no attention. I don't even think he barely spoke to him. He just pushed him off to the side. And I I went and told somebody, I said, man, that ain't a way to treat him. That's not right. That's not right. And he remembered that. And he told me probably 20 minutes after the little situation happened, he said, Dad, we'll never come back here again. And because of the way that coach treated him. That's why I tell my guys, you be careful on these visits because these kids watch everything and be careful how you treat them because you never know what they're going to come up to be. Brilliant point. Kendall Bryles, he of the Bryles football family. I don't know how he got into coaching. Um, actually had a job at Baylor when he was 26 years old. Apparently, and we're only getting one side of the story, but here's the thing. That's the story. You think Kendall Bryles? May, may, did I miss it? Did he come out and go, that is a lie? <laughs> like, coaches really, what are they going to do? They're going to address it now and start punching whatever down to the side or up? You're gonna, It's not going to do that. So... But, hey, we saw it with Kyle Shanahan where you can do the my bad. This was years ago. What was ago. the my bad? Uh, we treated Max Crosby bad when we had him in for a pre-draft oh. visit. This was years ago. It's okay to do the my bad now, Kendall Bryles. Hey, you know what? You're right. Why shouldn't he? he, he what would hold him back from doing it? I just think a lot of coaches are too prideful, and they don't want to throw gas on the fire. Whatever were really true. He throws gas on the fire, and here's the thing. I'm not sure that Dion, uh, Dion if Bryles came out and said, you know what, I was wrong. I should have spoken to him, you know, more directly and given him more attention. I mean, you don't know. Dion could come out and be like, "Nope, apology not accepted." Well, you know what? You're right because I think Max Crosby took the high road there because it was like a after practice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you're you're way better than we thought you were going to be. But no, I, I think I don't think that Dion's going to take the high road there. You never know. Mm, Wait, I what, whatever whatever's going to motivate his team, he's going to use whatever's going to get him attention. He wants a spotlight. He's going to use it. Maybe Shadur is like, ah, you know, you're just saying that now because I beat you. That too. You know what? Kendall Bryce, keep it to yourself. It's hard to apologize because <laughs> so much of what we deal with now is apology not accepted. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't genuine. I didn't like the way he apologized. Because we would definitely come back tom- on tomorrow's <laughs> show and break down the apology. <laughs> we would break down the apology. Uh, more tickets going out for the season finale. Yes, it is at T-Mobile Arena on uh, Sunday at noon. Aces and the Phoenix Mercury, AXS.com is where you can grab your tickets. Our uh, ESPN Fan Zone is presented by West Star Credit Union and Finley Volkswagen Henderson. DeMond's got a four-pack right now for this Sunday's game, season finale, 364-1100, caller number seven. We'll get Caleb Herring, uh, his reaction to the Colorado game, also the positives and some things to fix from the UNL victory over Bryant. This kid is a first-rounder on both sides. Of the ball, right, like right. a first pick. He's he's he's, first he's key. Yeah, first pick. Yeah, that's who he is. Travis is, and he loves the game. He does not tire of loving the game and wanting to be in the game and studying the game and all the intricate details of the game. He and Shador could make eye contact and look at each other, and yeah. they know what to do. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Boy, there was a lot in that bite from Dion about 
Travis Hunter and Shador, his son. I mean, I guess he could be the number one pick if some of the stories today are true that Caleb Williams may surpass the draft if it's the Cardinals who have the number one pick. That'll be interesting. Caleb Herring is with us. Caleb, are you uh, – well, first of all, were you surprised by the Colorado uh, Colorado result? And secondly, my God, this thing is blown up. It's It really is one of the biggest stories in college football. It is. It's huge. I mean, I was excited. I mean, definitely surprised. I – Everyone was excited to see what exactly would happen in Colorado. Um, I don't think anybody would have predicted, and I, maybe one person, and we know who that one person was on college game day, but maybe one person would have predicted it. But the fact that they went to TCU and won in the fashion that they won, uh, that was exciting for college football. I, I know I completely forgot about the game. I was so neck deep in preparing for week one for us with UNLV, so I just, you know, my brother texted me, he's like, man, Colorado looks good. I'm like, what, what, they're playing. I had to, like, Tune in real quick to the stats and catch up, but an exciting game, uh, good for college football. I'm not going to overreact like some people, I think, who are overreacting and now, you know, crowning Colorado the national champions after, you know, the first week. But um, it's fun. It's fun to see uh, the excitement around a team that, you know, went from zero to 100 real quick, as they say. So, I mean, uh, we'll see what's in store. I mean, Hunter is a phenomenal talent. We'll see if he has the gas. Uh, to endure if he tires on the field. He might not be tired of it mentally, but he's going to tire eventually getting 120 snaps plus per game. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how, what the story of Colorado and, and Coach Prime, what it has for us in, in the rest of the season. Overreaction, you say? Uh, yesterday, DeMond reset the win total at seven. He's over, I'm under on the Buffaloes. I, I would I'd say seven's fair. I would go under on that still. It's a tough uh, there's some tough matchups to come, uh, but I listen. They won; it was yeah. dramatic, uh, but they gave up 42 points, and that's what I saw immediately. I, I don't care what you say; if you're giving up 42 points, uh, no matter who you're playing, you, you have problems. Uh, you're not going to go 80 percent for 500 yards week in week out at quarterback. That's just not how it goes. Um, and if you're going to rely on that kind of performance to lead to your success, if you're going to rely on a two-way player week in and week out to have success. Um, I don't. I don't see that sustainable. That's just the reality of it. Not no shade, no hate. They're talented, but um, not only 120 plays will you be exhausted, but that's just more opportunity for injury as well. It's hard enough to sustain a full season when you're a feature player uh, for all 12 games, but let alone playing both sides of the ball. It's tough. It, it, so we'll see if they can sustain it. I mm. I just don't see it happening for the rest of the year. Demond is uh, champing at the bit. Caleb, there's always room on the Buffalo bandwagon. You were almost on but you held back a little bit. There'll be room later on in the season for you to hop back on the Buffalo bandwagon. I'll say this. Nobody's playing defense in the Pac-12, okay? So who knows? I mean, nobody's playing defense. Who's the best defensive team in the Pac-12? Every game's going to be 45 to 42. So they'll be fine not playing any defense. Some losses are going to come along the way, but uh, I'm not going to let your logic and, you know, good analysis ruin a good thing. <laughs> don't, don't let all these fact-based analysis yeah. get in the way of a good story. Back to you, uh, Steve. Let's talk, yeah. let's talk about uh, the UNLV victory. Uh, supposed to beat Bryant, beat him by a lot more than the spread. The uh, spread was 16.5. They wound up winning 44-14, to 14, and I think they left points on the field. Uh, first of all, let's talk about some of the stars of the game. Uh, we both named... Jacob DeJesus as a star of the game, but really it could have been the whole special teams unit. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the bigger stories of the offseason was how much special teams was the focus, and then we saw in week one how much it had improved. 
especially when you juxtapose it to last season, right? Like the special teams was probably a big issue for the team, and now it's one of the shining spots. So that's a dramatic improvement. And, and guys like Jacob De Jesus, uh with that kickoff return that almost got into the end zone, would, would definitely be a game changer um, and, and plays like that in the special teams, along with uh, what was, I guess, a mistake you would consider on the opponent's part, but um, the snap on fourth down on the punt coverage team for, for Bryant. Um, those things as well. And then the coverage unit did their job on kickoff and um, held one of the, the best return men in that SES level with uh, uh, ah, his name is Casey now, but <laughs> one of the best return men, they started field position was for the Rebels was, at least for Bryant offensively, was inside the 20 just about every time that they had the ball on offense. So uh, special teams did a great job. And that was, to, for me, it's going to be a storyline to watch for the rest of the season because we know how it can impact games and we know how it can swing the momentum um, and the day has just returned, um, if you remember the game, it came right after a touchdown, Brian's first touchdown, and there was kind of a little lull in the action and maybe some people not necessarily concerned, but, you know, that gasp when you give up points, you're trying to pitch a shutout, um, and that immediately reinvigorated the sideline, injected some more energy to help finish off the rest of the game. So special teams and De Jesus playing a big role so far. Yeah, the Brian kid was Anthony Frederick, who had come in uh, from a year ago, averaging like 30 on his returns and only got about 15 and a half, 16 per return. A um, lot of chunk plays for the UNLV run game. How do they get those against Michigan? Oh, it's going to be assignment and technique. I think there's you got to be creative with the play call, obviously. That's going to, that's going to be something to, to play with your advantages. But creating extra gaps, sealing edges, um, and making sure the back, the, the, that the back has a lane to run through and get into the second level. And that's going to be a little bit more of a challenge because – with a team as beefy and as strong as Michigan is in the trenches, sometimes the double teams at the first level have to sustain a little bit longer before you get up to the next level um, to make sure the line of scrimmage is controlled. So there may not be opportunities for those big runs because you're going to have free linebackers or free second-level players um, that are going to be able to fill gaps a little bit quicker. So um, the lanes, I think, will not be as big for runners to get going. And there's a lot of running backs in the stable for UNLV that – if they have space, they can make a man miss. They can make a guy uh, look silly and outrun him. But I don't think with this Michigan style of defense, I don't think the strength of them is going to allow for that type of mobility um, for the running backs. But that is just you know something they're going to have to contend with and do it in a different, more creative way, whether it be different play calling or uh, more focus on the front line for, for double teams and so on and so forth. But uh, the running game is going to have to be there. Who knows if it's going to be as, as chunky, as you said, um, as it was against Bryant, but um, it's going to have to be steady and established early and often uh, to have a chance against Michigan. Caleb Herring is with us, voice of the Rebels as an analyst. Of course, Ross Langer calling the games. Great team, great teamwork during the broadcast. Listen again as the uh, extended pregame show, the Ted Weens pregame show, starts off at 8.30, an hour in the pregame. All right. Uh, another thing I think the uh, Rebels need a lot of help on, some help on, um, you're a former quarterback. You know accuracy is important, especially in a game like Michigan. You have open receivers. You freaking have to execute those plays. And Doug Brumfield's accuracy against Bryant wasn't great all the time. They missed on a couple of deep shots, and uh, he had another opportunity where I think he just threw the ball a little bit too late when he had a wide-open Ricky White at the back of the end zone. Yeah, and that was just a timing thing. It's a rollout, designed rollout play, and – just being able to anticipate that that's going to open up. I think, you know, from the booth, I saw it, you know, a little bit earlier than Doug released it. And it was one of those things where it's like, if he's on time with that, uh, he hits it and he's in the end zone for a nice, easy touchdown. But 
being late is just as bad as being inaccurate. And that's something that people don't consider when you talk about um, efficiency or accuracy in the passing game. Sometimes it's not about where you throw it. It's about when you throw it. Um, and that was a situation where that was the case. Uh, the good thing about it is the pass game, the deep pass game at least, was there. And that's a very different problem to being completely smothered in coverage, having no open receivers downfield, and not being able to see any potential for plays. Uh, when you can look at it and say, we just didn't execute what was there, we had stuff down the field, the things we dialed up, were, they ended up getting open receivers and potentially explosive plays, but we just messed up, that's, that's a very different problem than, holy crap, everybody's covered. What, what's going on? Yeah. Our system's not working. So um, with a guy like Doug who has experience and who's mentally tough, he's shown some mental fortitude this fall camp um, and this offseason, really, the way he handles himself. So he's going to bounce back, and I'm sure he'll be better. And I'm sure the passing game, as far as the deep attack, will be better. And that's going to have to be necessary, especially um, with the opponent that we're facing uh, this Saturday in Michigan, that's, that's going to be tough. You're going to have to have every element of your offense coming on all cylinders to, to stay in the ballgame. Speaking of that system, with it being new, how did it look for you from the booth where it's, hey, this is a team with a new offense, that go-go offense we've heard so much about. How did Doug look in the, in the huddle and command of this offense, and how did the team look overall to you? I think they looked really good, honestly. I think it was, it's hard to see the, the true impact of the new system without the element of tempo. And for obvious reasons, I think you don't step on the gas as much as an offense during fall camp, uh, during install or what have you. So seeing it at full speed, uh, you get to see the full impact of the new system. And I think that was, uh, uh, it was, it was good to see. It was refreshing to see the command was there. I think there was even times where, uh, the pace of the offense was, was in mid season, mid season form. And you saw some good things in regard to getting up to the line, getting set get the next playoff that are that are essential to, to going fast and playing um, off of success in a game situation. So that was good. And Doug also got us in line and made some checks, made some adjustments, um, and everybody was on the same page. So there's inklings of, of the team being on the right track, and you get to see a, a sneak peek of what the offense could potentially be once it gets rolling. But the go-go is good, and you see some of the, the binds it puts defenses in formationally and, and with the action in the backfield just for the, the fans and, and for – the analysts like me to be able to see it um, in action. It was good. It was refreshing to see the offense and, and to see it produce. I know that this is going to be something that people are going to be talking about. Michigan, UNLV is obviously a dog in this game, but the offense, how successful do you think if they can execute well, where you said, hey, being late is just as bad as being inaccurate. If they can execute well, how much of a fight do you think that this offense can put up against Michigan's defense? Well, I think that's, that's, that's a difficult question to answer because I think any offense can put up points on any defense if you have a game plan that's, that's primed and ready to go. So I, I wouldn't necessarily just look at Michigan and say, oh, they can't be scored on or they, it's going to be impossible to get into the end zone. That's not the case. I think there are certain things that you plan accordingly you can take advantage of in any defense. Then just the overall game, I think Michigan just hasn't been a team that's going to throw 30, 40 points up on the board regularly. They're more of a possession control team um, and controlling the game through that way. They have a pretty solid running game in their own right, and they're fishing with the ball. So um, if you can score against them, I think the tighter they get, the better your chances are. And, uh, you know, keep the score as low as possible, maybe force turnovers on their side and, and take care of the ball on your side. But in every drive with points, you find yourself in a closer ball game uh, than maybe people anticipate, just looking at the rankings going in. Uh, and that was the case last time you know we played Michigan. It, it didn't end up being a blowout necessarily, but you know the final score obviously was a little bit lopsided. But 
there were moments in the game where you thought, hey, this is competitive. And I think that can very well be the case. Now, can the offense make those plays to quiet 110,000 fans? Can they be explosive in the face of an aggressive, probably hungry to prove something defense in Michigan? That's yet to be determined. And I don't think that the execution level in the deep passing game that we saw in week one is going to cut it if that's going to be the goal. So um, it's yet to be determined. I, I, I will say I don't think we've seen the full potential of this go-go offense. Um, so I, I'm excited to see if they cut it loose and if they're able to cut it loose up in Michigan. Caleb Herring's with us. Very important to close on here, and if we have time we'll do a little bit of NFL, but i got to get this in here. Our uh, award-winning uh, – we got an award from the uh, National Association of Sports Podcasters. Our award-winning – Broadcaster Bites is back. You know I made that up. We didn't get an award. Uh, broadcaster, damn it! I thought I had delivered it pretty. pretty. It was sounded so legit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, broadcaster Bites, where we talk about our vittles on the road, generally around the Mountain West uh, cities, but in this case, it'll be from Ann Arbor. What are expectations? We have a tight window. We don't have a lot of time. It's going to be a late Friday night. Um, I found a place called Pizza House. Because uh, you guys always try to get, uh, you know, Russ is the lead dog on this, and then uh, Caleb and Nick Murphy, the engineer. Uh, I know you guys are very about getting wings on the road. I found a place, Pizza House, which apparently is a, a local chain in Michigan. I don't know. I looked at the photos of the pizza and wings. A little bit shaky. A little bit shaky. Yeah, a little shaky. I don't. I don't know if I'm necessarily intrigued or enticed to say that that's going to be the best wings in town. But we do have the benefit of having. Uh, a, a native of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Mark Wallington, the SID for UNLV, who is making the trip. And I have to do my research. This is probably the most crucial research we do any game week, especially for the road game, for this segment most, to get the, the broadcast the most right. crucial <laughs> research we do. Can I read more on J.J. McCarthy? No. I need to read up on the local wings. So, yeah, we got it. The, the, the goal this year, and Nick and I have talked about this, the goal this year is to knock off Reno for the best wings in t- in right. on the road game, and that yeah. Reno still has the throne, and we're looking for somewhere that can knock them off of the top spot. Uh, but <laughs> their wings are hard to beat, and I, I don't think that Pizza House uh, has them beat just based on the photography that we saw on the website. No. But we'll see if Wellington has a spot for us to check out. There could be a, a Yelp review that has the wings looking better. It's it's one of the I guess the, my my disappointment with the pizzas. It's a Chicago themed pizza place detroit pizza is better i mean you're right up the road from detroit so you know do the detroit pizza and on the wing front uh yeah it's actually you guys still have reno's lucky beaver as the number one wing place on the road that you've enjoyed so far the last three years so they've done a good job and i by the way i went back there with sandler on a basketball trip and uh I don't think did I get a steak? No, I got a burger. Burger was very, very good. I've uh, I've pushed this right up against the edge here, Caleb. I will see you in two hours for the Barry Odom Radio Show. Looking forward to it. Demon will be producing. A lot of pressure, a lot of sound, a lot of stuff to review. Caleb, thank you. No problem, guys. Take care. There he is, Caleb Herring, in the longest outro I've ever done in sports radio. We'll come back four o'clock hours on the way. We'll bring Reno in, and maybe we'll make another mention of the Lucky Beaver.